The Start On Demand. On demand. As updated restrictions are set to take effect in Manitoba tomorrow, Premier Calvin Gerton joined us today, and one of the subjects we discussed with him was enforcement, particularly in the Southern Health region. Bob Irving joined us for our weekly chat, and he made a bold declaration about this year's crop of Blue Bombers. We spoke to the parents of Ethan Boyer, who was a 19-year-old Winnipegger who died two years ago on the South Perimeter. Now, his family fundraises for animals in his honor. And Loren suspects she's going to be sore. We'll tell you why in a moment. But that got us having some fun this morning on times you were sore. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, October 4th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And I want to start with Loren, because what's this? You played, you went out and played some hockey? Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in these parts, Brett, uh, <laughs> with my just pure, raw athletic skill. No, I joined a team several years ago um, in St. Adolph to just play rec hockey, shinny. It's just like a, a bunch of women who get together, and we just... We have a ref and a couple goalies, and we just have a fun for an hour on Sunday nights. But of course, I haven't really played much for a couple reasons. One, the shift means you know you're up early, and I'm not home till nine or nine thirty on a Sunday night, so that feels too late. But um, also because of COVID, we had lost our whole year last year, so we were back on the ice yesterday and uh, back in fine form with the St. Adolph Hockey Moms, and so I'm uh, I had a good time. Hockey, by the way, H A W. K E Y Hawk. Ah, yes. Clever play on words. They had me at that team name. But yeah, I played <laughs> last night. It was fun. Fell only like four times, so that's nice. Statistics. We want numbers, Loren. Goals. Oh, no. Assist. Nope. Time no on goals. ice. That's the first Penalty question minutes. my kids always ask. Did you get any goals? No. Did you at least raise the puck this time? No. I'm still learning that, okay? No, no. razors. Oh, come oh, on. I can barely get it off the ground. I can barely get myself <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Well, with this incredible streak of warm temperatures, I mean, the the weekend was just absolutely perfect weather-wise. How's the ice? A little sticky, but it's good. I what was great is coming out of the rink and just having your your pants and t-shirt on. I cannot mm-hmm. believe how great this weather is. It's such a bizarre time of year where people are looking forward, in some ways, I think, to like the winter sports or activities that come with the change in seasons. But you're clinging on to this weather and the warm air and the leaves and the colors like with every last gasp you're like don't go yet don't fall too soon don't 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 leave us because it's so amazing yeah it has to be the best fall we've had in years i I, it might be the best fall that that i can ever remember i don't remember ever wearing just a golf shirt and shorts on october 3rd when i was playing yesterday um, and it was such a, you mentioned the word bizarre. It was a bizarre feeling because the trees aren't yet barren, but they've already shed a good chunk of their leaves. So like <laughs> it's conceivable that half the leaves could be gone and I'll still be wearing shorts this week, Greg. That's an interesting observation. Uh, although in my yard, most of my trees, the leaves are still green. 
Really? Yeah, they've barely started to change. I've got a maple tree in my front yard that is really uh, late and slow to change. I mean, I do have yellow leaves on my on my front lawn, but yeah, mostly green. Not a ton of yellow. Not a ton of a red a- along the tree line. We've got uh, we've got a bunch of trees, you know, in our yard and then our neighbors' yards uh, that border us and. Yeah, there hasn't been a ton of change yet. I just wonder if that's out in the country or a species thing or or what it is. I'm not an arborist. (laughs) I have no idea what the reason might be, but uh, what an absolutely incredible weekend. And good Lord, uh, I can't imagine how beautiful it was out at uh, Bridges. Oh, it was, it was spectacular. It was just a, it was an amazing, amazing day yesterday. Saturday was a good day. I just I sat on my balcony for a little while. Had to sit in the balcony to cool off. Uh, sit, oh, in, right. sit, in, <laughs> sit in the sun to cool off because my, uh, because of my ongoing apartment was 30 degrees in my apartment on Saturday. Good Lord. Um, because they hey. killed the AC last week. You're talking to the same person who also doesn't have AC because in August I was like, ah, there's only like 10 more days of warm w- weather <laughs> left anyway. Yeah. We'll just ride this out to the spring. Yeah. No. Mm. Then the warmest fall of time has ever seen. Do not follow <laughs> Lorenz weather uh, network or Twitter feed. Lorenz observations or predictions on weather. Hey, that uh, reminds me, Rob Zob, does he not, did he not come on and say I should be good? Some weather person said I should be good. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but whoever told you that was wrong. <laughs> so coming up at 645, we're going to have a conversation inspired by Lorenz hockey odyssey because while she's not yet sore, Loren, you are anticipating that you will be a little sore? Well, it was just one of those things, you know, like I, you can, I, I walk regularly, I'll, I do workout videos, I play with the kids, but you don't do that start-stop thing like you do when you're playing an active sport like that, like when you're in hockey and you're going, you think, oh, I think I'm going fast, but I'm going as hard as I can, and you're breathing heavily, and then you stop, right, for a minute, then you get back out there and you go, and then you stop for a minute, and I'm like, the body has not done this in quite some time, and so when I woke up this morning, I was like, okay, we're good, you're still good, you're still good, but I feel like that second day hit's coming Coming in fast and furious. So we want to talk at 645 about the sorest you've ever been. And man, we all know it doesn't come from sports per se. It can be the weirdest things that suddenly you wake up the next day and think, what have I done to myself? (laughs) Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, we have bomber tickets to give away for this Friday's game against Edmonton. We also have two tickets for Boo at the Zoo. And it's going to be based on your text messages and what we're about to talk about. And in case you're just tuning in and missed it earlier, Loren played hockey yesterday and is anticipating she will be sore. What's the name of your team, by the way, again, Loren? Ha. Hockey Moms, because of the Hawks of St. Adolph. H-A-W. I like to spell this out. I really like, you know me. I have to explain the joke. H-A-W-K-E-Y. Hockey Moms. Oh! Hawk! There you go. See? It's funny every time. <laughs> so she's anticipating she's going to be sore. So today we want to talk about the sorest you've ever been. You know, like what's the sorest you've ever been? Maybe there was an activity that caught you off guard with how sore it made you. For example, when I had to sell my house, I actually had to like, you know, take care of it and fix the yard up and clean the yard. So I remember having to uproot Dandelions. How do you say it, Greg? Dandelions. Dandelions. More and, romantic. And I was out there for, I don't know, 90 minutes. And just that act of bending over, bending my knees, hunching over constantly. I couldn't walk for like four days after that because it was something that I had not done, I think, since I was a kid. 
like actual yard work. So uh, that threw me off. But yeah, is there anything you do where you know you're going to be sore? Maybe you've got remedies. Text us a story, 204-780-6868. Kelly Moore, Jets Report, by the way, coming up at 6.55. Cam Poitras, why don't we start with you, sir? Well, I go through kicks in my life. Uh, So right now I'm in like a Super Nintendo kick, but uh, usually they (laughs) last about like a month or so. And so I I was into the gym, I don't know, like it was back in 2017, and I I was so dedicated going every, every single day. But when I first started... Um, the first day went okay, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling good, and I, I think I could push myself a little harder. Well, the second day went, and I went way, way too hard, and I went to sleep, and I woke up, and I could not get up. I could not get up. Um, I had to scream to my brother. I said, Colton! I, and he's like, what? What's wrong? I said, I can't get up. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm completely stuck. So he had to help me get up out of bed. Um, and then I just was kind of like walking like Frankenstein for the rest of the day. Uh, but yeah, that was brutal. I was the worst I've ever been sore. Like it was, it was days. Like you said about the dandelions, it was days for me. Yeah, with the, oh, the workout sore, that's tough. When you if you don't stretch or warm up or whatever, or you're just not used to it. Yeah, it can put yeah. you out for a week. It's like oh. I was doing so well, but I can't. I can't go to the gym right now because it just hurts too much. Uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? I played basketball with a friend of mine and his children about five years ago, and I pulled something in my shoulder, and I still can't move it a hundred percent. If I move it in certain ways, it still really, really hurts. And uh, I asked my doctor about it a couple of years ago, and he literally says, "Well, what do you want me to do?" I was like, "You're over forty. You shouldn't have played basketball." I was oh, like, "Oh, no. okay." <laughs> That's, that's the end of that. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. I was. I was like, oh, he's gonna. He's gonna. I'm gonna get Tommy John surgery or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> you know? But, but uh, uh, so yeah. So that's it. And uh, you know, if someone says lift this box above your head. I say, nope, can't do it. Bad shoulder. So it has gotten me out of some manual labor in the last few years, which is, uh, I suppose, the upside to it. <laughs> Attaboy! Way to exploit this situation. Forte, what about you? Me and my buddy went to Vertical Adventures, went rock climbing, and I'm telling you, for at least, it was almost a week, a week straight, I was so sorry. Me and him both, we don't know (laughs) how we got so beaten up by just climbing a wall, but we were down and out for almost a full week. So sore. I, I I I don't understand. Well, if you're it, see, that's the thing. If you're using muscles that you haven't used in a long time, or using in a way that maybe you you're not used to, that yeah, if you're not prepared for that, pain train. Uh, Mac- I, I barely use my muscles, so. <laughs> Backling. That'll explain it for it, Jay. I guess um, I'm going to go with, have you heard the saying, the cure is worse than the disease? Yep. Yeah. Well, after my uh, car accident back in 2020, I dealt with a, a whole list of problems, including issues with my neck and my back. And I found this incredible doctor in Winnipeg on Wednesday. I went every Wednesday for a year to Health Sciences Center, and they would inject my muscles or my ligaments with anesthetic. And what that would do would basically uh, give me the opportunity, would deaden the, the, the nerves and would make me feel a little bit looser eventually once the anesthetic wore off. So like I said, I did that about 52 times in a year. And the one, t- one time I had 10 injections in one day down my spine. And then and it hurt. Like the actual treatment hurt, but nothing like the way I felt hours later. And one Wednesday, my good friends took me to a University of Manitoba, University of Winnipeg volleyball game at the Investors Group Center. There were about 2,000 people. There was a huge, very important game. 
And for some reason, we decided we should f- sit in the third or fourth row, 25 rows down. Essentially, one of my best friends had to carry me down because I could not walk. And it is the pain of my lifetime. I'm very grateful for the treatment, but that day will never, ever, ever escape my memory. <laughs> Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's funny Monday, look. Monday, Monday. It's funny, Lorraine. I'm watching Greg on the, on the monitor to see if he was fumbling with the, you know, turning on the <laughs> mic. And that's nothing. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I was very content. He's like, he's like me when it's my turn to do the weather. Whenever whenever one of you is off, I have to slip into that role. And I could hear that music for nine straight minutes, and it would not cue me. But it's, like, if Forchie doesn't say weather, 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 I'm like. <laughs> All right. So we've got got to tell you about the big bomber bash contest. GMAC, you've got the sheet in front of you there. What does this prize package include? Oh, my goodness. This is like... This is the ultimate Blue Bomber fan package, okay? So if you don't have friends who can invite you to certain places to do certain things, this is your opportunity. Can I say it? To be the big shot. To be the to be the person large and in charge. So you get or you could win the entire Blue Bomber party deck for you and not one, not two, 19 of your friends. To watch the October 23rd game against the BC Lions, that is in style. Let me tell you that. You get 20 Blue Bomber hats, game day food, burgers, fries. You know how it goes. A $250 drink credit. That uh, party uh, deck, by the way, is just steps from the rum hut. Nice. So I suspect you'll make good use of that $250 drink credit. And the piece de resistance. Four parking passes to get everyone to the game. And, uh, oh, my gosh, this is an incredible contest. So here's what you do. You listen through the day for the code word, and then you got to go to the contest page at cjob.com and follow the instructions there. So today's code word, it's no secret, it's football. It's football. The code word is football. So go to cjob.com, enter the code word on the contest page, and you... Throw your name in the hat, and we're going to do this every day through October 15th. In the meantime, we're asking you to tell us a story about being sore for a chance to win tickets for this Friday's game at IG Field against Edmonton. And, Loren, this was inspired by you playing hockey yesterday. You figure you're going to be sore, but did you have another story you wanted to share? Well, you know how it goes when you haven't done something for a while. It's always day two. So I just feel like my day two tomorrow is going to be painful. I'm a little stiff already. But my my most embarrassing soreness, it's like when you were saying you pulled dandelions and your back and body is sore for days. Well, if you guys have ever had, had to do the fire, emergency fire escape ha! practice yes! at 201 Portage, if you've lived downtown, worked downtown, been anywhere in life where you had to do 30-plus stairs down, I don't understand it, but I have any time they had that drill, I'd be like, all right, here we go. And I'd be like popping rowbacks before I even got down the stairs because it is so painful. I don't know if there's something about that downward motion on stairs. Like, it's not like I don't go downstairs. I have stairs in my house that go up and down every day. But the 30 flights straight down, I could not walk for days after that. I hate that fire drill. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's important, et cetera. But it's painful. 
And those stairs are steep, too. I think that's part of the thing. Like, it's just it's a tight staircase. They're steep. And uh, part of it, too, could be pacing because, like, you're sort of stuck behind a whole bunch of people when we, like, when we had to go down the stairs, Greg. Yeah, that was a nightmare. I was sore, too, Loren. I concur with your pain. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you this morning to tell us a story about being sore. Time that you got caught off guard with how sore you were. For a chance to win, we've got bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game against Edmonton, and we also have tickets for Boo at the Zoo. So we're going to have two winners here. And uh, this one listener says, ran the marathon in 1980 as a 13-year-old in Winnipeg. Felt great. Parents sent me and my brothers back on a Greyhound bus to Nipawa, where we were living at the time, so we could go back to school the next morning. Getting on the bus in Winnipeg, felt great. Getting off the bus in Nipawa, paralysis. When we got off the bus, we had to walk to our house. Still a two-mile walk, and this walk took about the same time to limp home as the 26-mile run had taken in the marathon hours before, maybe even longer. Yeah, It's when you sit, right? I do a pretty regular walk with a friend, Every day, and it's like six or six to eight kilometers. And honestly, just walking and then coming home, I have to tell myself, "Do not sit down. Do not sit down," because I will be sore. Just you gotta, you gotta keep moving. So keep those stories coming for a chance to win. And uh, Mackling, I see also that uh, you have uh, harvested one from David. Yeah, if we have time to read this, I will. I was listening to CJOB on Wednesday, and it was suggested that a beautiful fall walk would be to drive to Pembina Valley Provincial Park and hike some of the trails. Well, that's what I did this past Saturday. It was absolutely gorgeous. So me and my significant other uh, decided to do the longest trail possible, seven kilometers. Well, didn't realize how much (laughs) up and down there was on that trailer. This is now two days later, and I can barely walk. It's going to be an interesting day, but I would absolutely do it again. It was beautiful, and uh, David, we are blaming Tristan Field Jones as we do for so many things around here on your uh, soreness today. <laughs> yeah, Tristan, uh, I think he he was the one who made the, certainly made the recommendation to us uh, for Pemina Valley, and he he was out somewhere else yesterday taking some marvelous video. Follow him, uh, Tristan FJ ninety on Instagram if you want to see the stuff that he posts on his hikes. In the meantime, we got the sounds of the game coming up at seven fifty five. As it pertains to how last night the Winnipeg Jets wound up a two-games-in-two-nights trip to Western Canada with their second consecutive preseason loss, a 3-2 defeat at the hands of the Vancouver Canucks. Plenty of reaction to that and other Jets happenings through the day in sports and Jets at noon. Greg with Cameron Poitras. That's right, but two other hockey stories grabbed headlines yesterday. One story involves the only non-vaccinated NHL player currently on a Canadian team roster, and the other, a Twitter avalanche of allegations from one of the top goaltenders in the NHL. Longtime hockey insider John Shannon joins us now on the start. Good morning, John. Hi, folks. How are you? Doing okay. Let's start with Vegas Golden Knight uh, goaltender Robin Leonard. I spent uh, easily, uh, this is an underestimate, I think, John, uh, the first 30 minutes of my day yesterday processing and reading his string of tweets condemning the conduct of one of his former teams, the Buffalo Sabres, and he lashed out at one current NHL coach, among other things, in over a dozen hard-hitting tweets. What's at the heart of the matter here in Leonard's allegations, John? Well, I mean, what's at the heart of the allegations is something only Robin Leonard can answer. But uh, the the accusations against uh, Alain Vigneault, the Flyers coach, that he's uh, telling his players to use painkillers and uh, sleep aids 
in order to try to uh, get through the night after games uh, are pretty serious. The NHL is obviously going to have to talk to Leonard. They've already admitted that they're going to talk to him to see where this comes from. Uh, But, uh, you know, this is a league that has just really in many, many ways uh, finally gotten over some of the accusations of, uh, of, of bias and, and negligence uh, when you consider the Derek Bugard incident uh, of 10 years ago and, and, and their, their lack of understanding of what painkillers do to players and how many, pain, how many players use painkillers and how they're, how they're prescribed. So I think these, these allegations have to be taken seriously and we'll have to see what comes of it in the next few days. Go ahead, well, Loren. I wanted to go to Edmonton now, uh, if we can, John, because the other story that caught my eye was that news that Oilers forward Josh Archibald, he was the only player on the Canadian NHL team to have not been vaccinated against COVID-19. And then we heard over the weekend that he's out of the lineup indefinitely. We want to play a clip first, John, from Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Coming out of his quarantine, he tried to skate for a few days and just wasn't feeling right. So we got a bunch of tests done with him. And... What the test showed is at some point this summer he'd had COVID and uh, so he tested for the antibodies. He was struggling with the, the viral infection and got a bunch of blood work done and since then has been diagnosed with myocarditis. Okay, so he's the second uh, oiler to be sidelined with this heart issue attributed to COVID-19. What's the reaction been to this? It's been uh, interesting because in part of his uh, vaccine stance that he's expressed publicly over the past few months, John. But now, you know, here he is sidelined with a major COVID issue. Well, and and the question becomes is uh, is the myocarditis uh, directly related to COVID? And Mm -hmm. and as much as we'd like to make one and one equal two, or one and one equal three. I don't think we're a hundred percent sure of that yet, and that perhaps the doctors are a little more confident of it. But uh, you're right. Josh Archibald has been an anti-vaxer, didn't believe in vaccination, uh, was not going to be vaccinated. Um, but uh, the fact that he's now out of the lineup for an extended period of time, I would be surprised if he plays again this year. Uh, and the other, the other one is a guy, a goaltender named Alex Stalock, who has had heart issues in years prior to this uh and and again was not vaccinated at the time when he was diagnosed so they've had a bit of an issue now neither are uh, they're not related because they're they don't even live in the same parts of the of the country one uh, Stalock lives in minnesota uh so it's it's an interesting one that uh that COVID is having a a little bit of effect on the team i think there was some disappointment in edmonton that archibald did not get vaccinated uh, in a in a uh, timely fashion, uh, but again, at this point, it's not mandated. It's his choice. Uh, the players' association agreed to certain rules about it. Um, but if he didn't want to be if he didn't want to be vaccinated, he was going to have to play play by a different set of rules. He ha- he has since gotten vaccinated, though. No, no, no. He's not vaccinated. He's he's he doesn't believe in the vaccination process. Okay, so we want to ask you about a question about the Jets' backup goalie situation because there's a lot of concern in Jets Nation about the viability of Eric Comrie as a backup to uh, Connor Hellebuck. Any chance that the Jets make a move to acquire a more established NHL goalie? I don't think so at this point. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, last year Laurent Brossois played his 20, what, 25, 26 games and, and contributed. 
you know, the, the goal, the role of a backup in many ways, whether you have somebody as strong as Hellebuck is that Connor Hellebuck's going to play 55 to 60 games anyway. Uh, and what you need to be able to do is have a, have a backup goaltender that can go in and not lose more than he wins. Uh, I, I would also, I would also challenge anybody in Winnipeg not to be too concerned about the preseason. Uh, there's a long way to go. It's an 82 game schedule that starts that second week of October. Uh, and, uh, and the fact that Eric Comrie has been reacquired by the Jets multiple times uh, tells you that there's a real belief that this guy can do the job. So I think it's a little early to be hitting the panic button on the backup goalie. All right, John, we appreciate your insight as always. We'll, we'll watch for your commentary and your visits uh, on CJOB throughout the week and throughout the season. We always appreciate your time. Cheers. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Reminder that we have bomber tickets to give away for Friday's game against Edmonton. We've also got Boo at the Zoo tickets to give away based on your text messages on the sorest you've ever been or a time where you were surprised at how sore you became. And Susan, with a great text, and I love this because it has to do with the TV show 24, one of my favorite all-time shows starring Kiefer Sutherland. She says, years ago I was watching 24 while on my treadmill and there was a plot change that shocked me, and I misstepped. My right leg flew back. I pulled all the muscles on my butt and my leg, landed on my stomach, got road rash. I can't even recall how I got up. I know I wasn't wearing the safety stop key. So the next day when I went limping into work, my colleagues asked what happened, and everyone who watched 24 <laughs> knew the exact moment it happened. <laughs> But I was sore for weeks. Now I need to know. Do you, do you know what she was talking about? I, uh, I, I don't even remember the, the name of this character. Apparently it had to do with something called Abby. Um, I think that might be season eight. There was, there was an insinuation that this character was maybe bad because there oh, was always Chloe. a mole. Oh, I thought it was Chloe. She said it was Chloe, and then she said, sorry, not Chloe, it was Abby. And um, I think... Oh, Chloe's... Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I think that might be season eight, if uh, memory serves. So, uh, but uh, yeah, great show. But that's uh, that's funny um, and sounds very painful, Greg. So that's, that's a, the, the PSA here is don't don't buy a treadmill. Oh, is that what we're going with? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Not just hang on, hook hang on, on the on. clip. They're super useful for your clothes to dry on. Yes, there's lots of reasons to have one and, and lots of reasons to never get rid of it, uh, whether you've used it or not. I thought the PSA would just be to hook up the little snappy thing in the cord so that when uh, you fell, the, the machine would stop. But uh, did I miss out on 24? How good was this series? Like, I, I'm a fan of Kiefer Sutherland, and I heard all the rumblings about 24, but is this something that uh, I should have watched back in the day, and could I watch it now? Yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's, uh, it's in their uh, star channel with their star service it was great it was super super intense it had amazing action and the gimmick was that it was told in real time okay so you that's why it was called 24 because it was 24 episodes and 24 hours so each hour uh each episode was one hour of this day Okay. So it was, it was heart pounding, but it, it, it made it difficult at times for the writers because, you know, if you had to get in, if Kiefer Sutherland has to, Jack Bauer has to get in the car and drive across town, we don't really see him for a half an hour. Or they might just drop in and show him in the car as he's going. But uh, so for the, the most part, I loved it. So they were very committed to this concept. Yep. Is what you're saying. Yep. They, and did, did. they didn't cheat. 
No, there, there were times where it kind of, you thought, come on, there's no way that that would have happened in the amount of time that it did or it wouldn't have dragged out as long as it would have. Okay. But yeah, it was super fun. High octane show. Loren, did you watch 24? I watched some of it, I, I, but I never really got into it. I can give it a shot again, I suppose. But It's a lot. I mean, there, was, there were eight seasons, and then they did uh, like a, a, a limited series or uh, like a like – a, what do they call it? A summer event. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's one of those shows where because of the way you can watch things now, it might not have the same impact, you know, because you can binge it. And so then the believability of this one hour – you know, in the 24 hour day, I think it lessens much like a lot of the shows. Like when I started streaming Sons of Anarchy as how many people live in Charming that this many people could die every single episode and nobody would notice. <laughs> you know, it starts to become ridiculous where if you only watch it once a week, it seems slightly more plausible. Oh, I, I think and I could be wrong on this, but I, I think 24 may have actually been one of the shows that was responsible for the binge culture. Because when they came out on DVD, and I had watched all, I had watched them on TV, but I remember when we got the DVDs, we could not stop watching them. We just kept, okay, one more episode. Okay, one more episode. It's three in the morning. Okay, one more episode. And uh, I think that a lot of people sort of did that. It is ridiculous. It's uh, <laughs> like when I, when I watch it, I think, ah, this is, uh, this is not realistic at all, but it's fun. And, uh, but it's a long haul if you want to get hooked on that. So, Greg, if you, if I, uh, beware. If, if I you, go in, I'm likely to get hooked. Yeah. And if I get hooked, it's a long haul. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it, it. It's a commitment. Hey, question of the day at cjob.com. What do the new health orders in Manitoba mean for you? And so far we have 80% say they don't affect me. I'm vaxxed and everyone I know is vaxxed. 14% say they might make Thanksgiving interesting. And 5% say I don't get to do anything. So that's the question of the day is for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. And specifically as it pertains to the Southern Health Region, Loren, who's joining us just after 9 o'clock? We're going to speak to Premier Calvin Gertson about the new restrictions that are coming into effect tomorrow. Basically, if you're vaccinated, not much changes. If you're unvaccinated, in theory, many things change. It limits your household gatherings. It limits your outdoor gatherings. And then, of course, in Southern Health, they've also added one other rule. Retail goes to 50% capacity. So things technically will change. But there's so many people that are asking the question, well, hang on. This only works if there's enforcement we just been playing clips with the Morden Bear where they're at about 65% vaccinated, where he says, you know, there are already stores that aren't abiding by the mask rules and all the rest. And so I don't know how many much faith he has in these new restrictions making a difference. I've been keeping an eye on the vaccination rate in the RM of Stanley just outside Winkler for about a month now. That's hovering around the 23-24% range. It's been, it was 21% about a month ago. So in theory, there's been this light uptick but I just don't know how much difference this makes without enforcement so we do have some questions for the premier about how he's going to tackle this how his health officials will tackle this will we see more enforcement and if not what's next is there what else is left in the toolbox to do here because there's lots of people Greg who don't like the idea of punishing many to try to convince a few except for in that region in some parts it's the opposite it's the many that are unvaccinated as opposed to the few. Yeah, I think, and I, in the opinion of many that I've spoken to about this, the only way enforcement is going to work on this is if the enforcement officials are not from that part of the province. I think there's a sense that there's going to have to be some sort of movement of 
of enforcement officials from different parts of the province so that they are not swayed, that they are not members of the community. We'll ask the Premier if that's uh, a concern of his or not. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, I just got to tell you guys something uh, that just happened to me that could have been disastrous. I um, went downstairs, came back up, and now we, because of physical distancing, we have to do this awkward shuffle when you get into the elevator, and especially with everybody having to you know, use a swipe card to get up to their floor. So one person goes in, and then you kind of have to do this dance. It's awkward. And now they've, added, they've increased the number of people who can ride in the elevator to, to four from three. Right. So, so I'm trying to, to get out of the way, but stand far enough into the elevator that the doors can close. Well... The door closed on my hood. Oh, no. Oh, my hoodie. Oh, <laughs> so I, I had to, like, yank it out before the, the elevator started and going. And the doors didn't open? No. Like, oh, gee whiz. <laughs> so, yeah, that could have been... Uh, I would have missed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, that probably would have been bad. Like, very, very bad. So, anyway, I'm happy to be here now. <laughs> gee whiz. Um, yeah, so... Backyard Bullseye, Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing, $5,000 prize on the line in our next segment, the finale, the grand finale, the head-to-head with Frank and Eleanor. But in the meantime, before that battle, we got, we're about, well, just mention it, uh, we're just about 15 minutes away, so make sure you stick around for that. But speaking of winning, to start the half hour, the voice of the 7-1 and one Winnipeg Blue Bombers joins us now, Greg. Yeah, Friday night, uh, quarterback Zach Caleros throws for over 400 yards. Kenny Lawler became the leading receiver in the league with a 200-plus yard night. And the defense didn't give up a single point again in the fourth quarter. That's the sixth time in eight games this season they've managed to do that a dominating performance on both sides of the ball a 30 to 9 win over the bc lions in vancouver good morning bob hey greg how are you i'm running out of superlatives to describe this uh, bomber team and the way they're playing i don't know i've i've been doing a little research and uh, i've come to the conclusion that this might be could be could very well be one of the very best bomber teams that I've ever covered. And that, uh, I don't go back to the Bud Grant era when they had four Grey Cup wins over a five- or six-year period, but, man, oh, man, this team's doing some very impressive stuff. When you're averaging three-quarters of a single point against per game in the fourth quarter. I I tweeted this out uh, yesterday or Saturday. It's almost unfathomable. And then I corrected myself in my tweet, sort of as I would say it to you right now. It is unfathomable. I've never seen anything like this. And you mentioned it. There have been some tremendous defenses that wore blue and gold over the decades in this, in, in this, uh, in this uh, football team. Yeah, I think back to the Cal Murphy teams in the 80s that had, you know, Tyrone Jones and Greg Battle and all those great defensive players. I don't think a Bomber team that I've covered has ever had two defensive ends as good as Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. And then you throw in Adam Big Hill at middle linebacker and the way Brandon Alexander is playing at safety now. And then the complementary players, and I use the term complementary, <laughs> the rest of the guys on defense are pretty darn good. Uh, 
Yeah, so they've played eight games. They're seven and one in that fourth quarter you talk about, Greg. They've given up six points in the eight games. In the fourth quarter, it, it really is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And they just uh, took the BC Lions apart from start to finish. It was it was no contest, really. And if the Bombers don't fumble twice, uh, you know, the score flattered BC. 30-9 to nine flattered the BC Lions. So... I don't know. Seven and one. Saskatchewan's five and three in second place, and the Bombers have won the season series from the Riders. Uh, two or three more wins in their last six games should be enough to clinch first place in a buy into the West Final for the Blue Bombers. And it's hard to imagine this team going into any sort of a funk unless they're hit by injuries. Now, having said that, all teams have their ups and downs and highs and lows, but this bunch just looks different. You talked to, and you listed some great talent there, Bob and the Big Hills and the Jeffersons and all the rest, but I'm just curious what you're hearing and seeing like off-field and in the locker room when it comes to just how this team reacts and, and supports one another because talent is one thing, but you really got to have that thing you know, that makes it all click and come together. Well, they've got a tremendous locker room, Loren. Uh, the culture here, and I, I've used that term often, and it's a term we hear in sport about a culture in an organization being so important, and, and it it's here. It's big time, the culture that they have. The players care about one another. Uh, they're serious about their, their work. Uh, they have great respect for their coaches. You know, the respect for Buck Pierce as an offensive coordinator is through the roof right now. They love Richie Hall, their defensive coordinator. And Mike O'Shea, of course, has set the table for all of this with the expectations that he has and gives to players when they come into this particular environment. So, yeah, it's really, uh, it was funny on uh, in Vancouver the day before the game, Willie Jefferson came in wearing a sombrero because the Mexican player, the bomber global player from Mexico, was going to play in his first game. And Jefferson had been wearing that sombrero all week in sort of tribute to young Esquiafino Perez and just making him feel part of the group. So it's stuff like that that goes on and a lot of it in the locker room that we never see that has really drawn this team together. And it's led by tremendous leaders like Big Hill and Brandon Alexander and Zach Kolaris and Andrew Harrison. On and on I go. Don't forget, Coach Show tonight, 7 until 8. We want to switch to baseball because much of the nation, Bob, was captivated by baseball this weekend as the Toronto Blue Jays uh, did everything they needed to do to climb their way into a wild card spot, but ultimately the baseball gods were against them. What happened? Well, normally when you win 91 games in a 162-game season, you'll make the playoffs, especially now that they have wild card games, but or teams rather, but... Uh, uh, the the Jays just ran into some tough luck. They did what they had to do on the weekend. They beat a horrible Baltimore team when they had to to finish with 91 wins. But Boston and the Yankees also won yesterday, and that left the Jays one game out of a wild card spot. That's uh, kind of a tough deal for them. But they have an exciting, talented young team, and the future is bright. Uh, but the baseball season now heads into the playoffs, the wild card games, Boston and the Yankees, Dodgers and St. Louis, and then the, uh, the playoffs rounds the best of fives begin uh, later in the week and you know for baseball fans this is a a heavenly time of the year when the playoffs start but if you're a Blue Jays fan you're a little bummed out today because you know they really had a terrific year and just came up a wee bit short. Uh, Bob uh, the Boston Red Sox had not come back from a four run uh, ninth inning deficit or eighth inning deficit 
all season long. They were down 5-1 going into the top of the ninth, and they battled back against Washington. That's just uh, the way it went uh, for the Blue Jays, unfortunately. Hey, we have to ask you real quick here. The Jets lost both their preseason games over the weekend. Not really a big deal uh, when you think about it, but any concern from your point of view about their goal backup goaltender situation? I know Eric Comrie sort of been handled, handed the mantle here from Laurent Brassois, but uh, lots of lots of fans wondering, is Eric Comrie up to the task? Well, I don't have any concerns, Greg, but I know a lot of the fans do about where, whether or not Eric Comrie can handle the load. And typically, Hellebuck will play 65 games at max, I would think, which would leave 17 for Eric Comrie. He's only played nine games in his entire career in the NHL, a 4.07 goals against average. Look, uh, the organization believes in him. They believe that he deserves a chance to show that he can or can't do this job. And I guess they got Mikhail Burdine as, you know, an emergency situation if Comrie comes up short. But I think he deserves a shot. I'm anxious to see how it turns out. Whether or not he can handle it, I have no idea. All right. Bob Irving, uh, 7 till 8, the coach's show with the head coach of the Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea. Reuven says this before we let you go. Tell Bob he can refer to the Bombers as the Harlem Globetrotters of the CFL. I don't think we're quite there yet, but no. feels like it sometimes. Well, it does, yeah. It's uh, And they get Edmonton here on Friday night, and the Elks are a bit of a mess right now, too. So, I don't know. Things are looking good for the Blue right now, aren't they? Bob Irving, thank you very much for joining us, as always. Okay, you bet. 8.45 on 680 CJOB with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, it is... The grand finale for Backyard Bullseye with Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing, Eleanor versus Frank, and we even brought in a special mathematician to help us make sure that... Because <laughs> we can't do... We basically can't do math on the fly. Uh, I, I was paralyzed last week. Paralyzed with fear that I had to make sure I got it right, so we got some help. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time for the finale of Backyard Bullseye with Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing. All right, so for the last two weeks, every morning here on The Start, one of you has taken a shot at the secret bullseye number, which was between 1 and 680. At the end of each week, whoever was closest to the bullseye, Loren, became that week's qualifier. Okay, so in our first week, it was Frank Walter. He guessed 168. His secret bullseye was actually 206, so not too far off. In week two, it was Eleanor Weedman. She guessed 476. Her number was 499. So today, we're putting Frank versus Eleanor head-to-head for one final round. And the winner will get this amazing prize package valued at $5,000, Brett, from Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing. Now, Greg, I understand we brought in some extra help here to uh, to do some on-the-spot accounting? Yes, we have, because uh, essentially we don't want to be held responsible for any mistakes here. (laughs) So we're deferring our responsibility to the one, the only, Tristan Field-Jones. TFJ, good morning, friend. Uh, Good morning, Greg, and uh, no pressure, I guess, right? No, none at all. I guess you didn't realize uh, why we were bringing you in. Now, in all seriousness, I heard you do some very complicated math on the phone with a listener the other day, on the fly, and I said... He's the guy. He's got to be available for us to do the calculation quick and accurate. So, TFJ, thanks for doing this. Brett? All right. Frank, are you there? 
I am. Eleanor, are you there? I am. Okay, so Frank, you were our first week's qualifier, so you're going to go first. It's as simple. Uh. You each get a guess, and whoever's closest takes the prize, a number between 1 and 680. So, Frank, let her rip. Uh, uh, what about 235? 235, okay. And Eleanor? I will take 343. Okay, let's go to the uh, let's go to our mathematician Tr- Tristan Field Jones. Do you have your abacus handy? Who's closer? I just want to confirm that Eleanor's number was three forty three. Correct. And Frank, okay. you were two thirty five. Uh, that is correct. Okay. Uh, well, um, it doesn't take a lot to figure this out, but Frank was off by thirteen, and Eleanor was off by do do do. 95. So, uh, Frank, congratulations. Frank, this, okay, once again, the mixed emotions. I'm so happy for Frank, and I feel so awful for Eleanor. Me too. <laughs> Eleanor, did you sleep at all this weekend? I, I managed to get a little bit in, yes. And congratulations, Frank. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Eleanor, I, I salute you, your, 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 uh, kind response and frank i salute you both you almost hit the bullseye dude like that when when you said 235 i thought if eleanor hits closer than this it's like there's some psychics here but congratulations to you both for making it this far and thank you so much for participating in backyard bullseye appreciate it very much thanks a lot so before we let you go uh frank eleanor uh thanks again we're just we appreciate you playing. And again, like I said, I, I feel I feel so bad right now. I don't I, I don't know how to celebrate and feel bad at the same time. Eleanor, I had to ask, was there any thought to do like a price is right style? He said two thirty six, he could have gone two thirty seven, you know? Oh. Can I do a do over? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I thought this was going. That's why I thought Frank was annoyed he's going first, because the next person could just try That's to go right. on the other side of it, right? But the number well, the secret bullseye could have been number two. Sure. You could have yeah. gone either way. With that. <laughs> Frank, was there any significance to the number that you chose this morning? To be honest with you, no. It was literally on the fly. <clears throat> oh, really? Like you just thought yeah. of it right now? Yeah, I, I just thought of it right now. And um, I kind of went based on some numbers in the past. And I thought, well, I didn't think it was going to be high, high. So I thought, well, you know, let's sort of go middle of the road type of deal and uh, go a little bit lower and away we go <clears throat> frank on the fly i've got a 649 ticket in front of me what number should i be writing down <laughs> <laughs> anyone you want to thank uh, for uh, getting into this momentous day frank at all as you, uh, as you look back over the last few years who, who helped you get here uh, me myself and i okay well eleanor uh before we let you go the number that you chose 343 same question any significance to that uh yeah it was the number of uh the previous house i used to live at oh all right that's cool well hey once again sorry you didn't win eleanor but thank you for playing no it was fun thank you okay and frank congratulations a five thousand dollar prize package from winnipeg Vinyl, fencing, and it comes with install as well. Hey, thanks so much, guys. All right. I'm just going to put you on hold for a second. And thanks to all who participated. This has been fun, and what a great contest. Big thanks to Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing uh, for for putting up this awesome prize. 
857 on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Don't forget we have bomber tickets to give away and Boo of the Zoo tickets to give away based on your text messages about how... Tell us a time you were super sore. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Well, for the rest of the show, it is McGarry and McNabb. Greg had to step out. So we want to talk right now about how new rules are going to come into effect tomorrow for gatherings, church services, and more. If you're vaccinated, not much changes. If you're unvaccinated or have a family or friend coming over who is unvaccinated, that's where it gets tricky. In that case, indoor gatherings are limited to guests from one other household when any unvaccinated person who is eligible for the shots is on the property. And there are also rules for outdoor gatherings. Yeah, and as for faith-based gatherings like church, well, where proof of vaccination isn't required, the capacity is now 25 people or 33% capacity. All of the changes we've listed, uh, you can find them on our website, globalnews.ca, cjob.com. They apply to the entire province. There's one extra rule that will be going into place tomorrow for Southern Health, and that's where all retail stores in this health district will be reduced to 50% capacity. We're joined now by Premier Calvin Gertzen, who is also the MLA for the Steinbeck region, which is part of Southern Health. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Loren Brett, good morning. Well, thanks for taking the time. And I know we've had this conversation for weeks, if not months now, about specific areas of the province and and what can be done to increase vaccine uptake. And what we're hearing from many people this morning, uh, Mr. Premier, is that these rules aren't going to make a difference unless there is more enforcement. So are we beefing up enforcement? Are we adding more people, more capacity, uh, more direction towards those who are in charge of enforcement in this health district? Yeah, I mean, thanks for the question. There's no doubt that enforcement is a big part of it. And I mean, it's one of the reasons that Manitoba was proactive uh, on the issue of enforcement. Right now, I think in Manitoba, there's about 3,300 people who are eligible to enforce the public health orders. We've pulled them from different parts of government, so from highways and conservation and other parts of health or justice. And so those are folks who normally would be enforcing other things that we've given the authority to enforce public health orders. Now, that comes at a cost of other things as well in terms of enforcement. So there's a significant, significant number of people who can enforce, but they can't be everywhere. And there isn't just one area where there are challenges. I mean, you've heard in the last week on your show as well, where there's been enforcement issues in Winnipeg, there's been enforcement issues in other parts of Manitoba. So it is a big province with a lot of areas that need to be enforced. Uh, And so there is a significant contingent of people who could do the enforcing, but the challenge is real. Well, so then I'm curious, has a memo or an edict or a directive gone out to those who are the many people you listed who can do enforcement, Mr. Premier? Because we're talking about gatherings in people's homes. And so I think, I don't, is there an actual expectation that the long list of people who can enforce are really going to honestly go knock on doors and make sure the people within those houses are following these vaccine requirements? Well, I mean, they're going to be doing what they've been doing for the last, you know, many months. And that is trying to enforce the orders as best they can in the places that they can be. But of course, they can't be everywhere, and they're going to have to ensure that they're using their resources in the best way possible. And so, I mean, they are well-educated on what the enforcement or what they are enforcing, so what the changes to the public health orders are. They know what they are able to do, and they're going to have to use those resources as they determine are the best way to try to move forward on enforcement. I don't want to minimize the challenge of this. I mean, it's no different than you know, people who are speeding on the highway, and we get calls all the time, where there are not enough people enforcing 
on the highways. We can't have somebody everywhere. It's on every highway. So they're doing their best in terms of ensuring that those 3,300 people, that those resources are being utilized in the best way they can. But ultimately, we do rely on any sort of thing when it comes to justice or enforcement. We do rely on the collective will of society to to take the different rules that we have in society and to largely adhere on them. And those who don't, there are enforcement provisions. Now, the mayor of Winkler was on CJOB on Friday saying that he wants to hear more consistent information. Have there been direct conversations with leaders in many of these communities as to how we can do that? Like, what else needs to be said? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of communication that's happening between municipal officials, public health, and others within government on the different things that are happening or changing. And I know it can be frustrating. There hasn't been a change uh, to the public health orders for a while. This is the first one in several weeks. But I know that one of the frustrations that people have had is that, you know, the rules have often changed very quickly and it's hard for them to even keep up in terms of what the rules are. So this is one of the first changes in several weeks, and hopefully we won't have to see any more changes to the public health orders, but between our Minister of Municipal Relations and the municipal governments, there is significant communications going on in terms of what those public health orders are. So is it possible, I know we want to hope for the best here, and I appreciate that, but you know, just for disclosure to our listeners, I've mentioned this often, this is my health region too. I live in Southern Health. Mm -hmm. I live in a town where the vaccine uptake is around 82%, and then if you go a little west, it's half of that, right? And so there's this concern that, well, what's next? Will schools go? Will sports be shut down? You know, will everybody have to pay the price for another region? And so is there a list of what's on the table, so to speak, Mr. Premier, in terms of what could come next if this doesn't work? Because Dr. Rusin says, has said repeatedly, we don't really have much time to make this work. Well, I mean, that's a good point, Lauren. And, And you make the point that these regions are large. And so there's differences between the region. You know, you talk about some areas where there's, you know, 20-some percent or 30-some percent vaccine uptake, but there's others that are 80, others that are 60. So there is a large mix, to be sure. They're not all the same. Uh, I know that when, when public health brings forward the different recommendations, they are looking not just at vaccine rates, they're really looking at transmission. That's what drives the public health orders. So we know there's a close connection between the vaccine rates and transmission. Um, but they are really looking at where are they seeing challenges on transmission in different areas. So they'll continue to do that. And there are challenges, you know, in the north. The test positivity rate is going up there as well. So they're looking at all the different areas of Manitoba and saying where are we having challenges, what can be put into place. I think that we've been proactive. We were proactive prior to this wave beginning in terms of the proof of vaccination well ahead of most other provinces in terms of that infrastructure. This is a proactive measure as well. Some would say we're going a little bit too early uh, in terms of some of these measures, but we're trying to stay ahead of this because what we do know, uh, both from experience in Manitoba and of course what we're seeing in other provinces, is that when you're chasing the virus, you tend to be losing. So we don't want to be chasing. We're trying to stay ahead of it and get ahead of it, and public health will continue to give us advice on that. Just 30 seconds here. It's kind of a big question, but I'm, I'm just curious for you personally. I mean, you know people, you have family member in this region. It, is it possible to get someone to go over the fence, so to speak, if they're sitting on the fence and they've, if they've dug in their heels? I mean, what kind of conversations have you had and are you hearing that you think is the difference maker here that has helped uh, even just with the people you might know? It is, but it's getting harder. There's no question that... Um, 
you know, people's opinions on a lot of different things on the pandemic are becoming more entrenched. I've seen that in my, my circle of friends and within my own family. So where I've seen a change, it really is a personal discussion. It's with somebody that you trust. It's with somebody that has had a, you know, either a personal experience with COVID or has a family member who has, and these really, really personal and generally soft conversations, not people yelling at each other, not angry Facebook posts. It is soft individual conversations. That's really what we're down to now. Premier Kelvin Gertzen joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time and the access. Have a great rest of the morning and a great rest of the week. Getting you to text us a story about a time you were sore. Loren played hockey yesterday for the first time in a long time, and she's anticipating that she's going to be very, very sore. Oh, it's we- already happening. Is Update, it? yeah. The update yeah. is that you're sore? It's like mortis. There's got to be a word for that. I don't say rigor <laughs> mortis, but there's got to be like a muscle mortis thing going on right now. <laughs> So we've been getting some great stories at 204-780-6868. I think just looking at the clock here, we've only got time for our two winners, Loren, because we have two prizes. We have Boo at the Zoo tickets, at, uh, and then we also have Winnipeg Blue Bomber tickets for Friday's game against Edmonton. So why don't you uh, read us uh, Susan's story? We read this earlier, but in case you missed it, this, this had us all laughing. Years ago, I was watching 24 while on my treadmill. There was a plot change that shocked me, and I misstepped. My right leg flew back. I pulled all the muscles on my butt and my leg. I landed on my stomach and got road rash. I can't even recall how I got up. No, I wasn't wearing the safety stop Uh. key. The next day, when I went limping into work and my colleagues asked what happened, everyone who had watched 24 knew exactly (laughs) the moment I fell. I was sore. For a week, so I don't know. She couldn't quite remember what the plot twist was, but it got her. The plot was she, she was sore. Yes, and she uh, she did finally. Looks like she finally remembered that it was Audrey. It was Audrey Rain's uh, Jack Bauer's girlfriend, and there was a twist with her that they were suggesting maybe she was a bad person, that she was a mole, and it threw her off. So Susan, I love that. Congratulations, uh, be, and hey, I love Twenty Four. So great show. Jeff is our other winner, and he. <laughs> A longtime friend, he says, a longtime friend and I got into a bit of a debate one evening over drinks. The question, who the better athlete was in high school? We each had our own sports we excelled at, and the debate was the superiority and fitness required to play volleyball, basketball, and track, or football, soccer, and baseball. After several libations and shutting it down at approximately 1 a.m., we decided to meet at 6 a.m. for a 20-kilometer race from Assiniboine Park down Wellington Crescent through downtown and St. Boniface and back. We were essentially within eyeshot of each other the entire time and finished the race. He won. I couldn't walk for five days after that race. It wasn't until years later that he admitted he was also... Uh, in ba- in pain for more than a week and saw a physiotherapist for a pulled glute and calf. Bravado and soreness sometimes go hand in hand. Oh, boy. Yeah, that'll get you. The old who was a better athlete in high school. Uh, it, it's funny, though, that the things that we did in school, no problem. <laughs> but the thing, that if you try to do it again. Sure. Because I remember... And this, I think, was the last time I played basketball. And it was I, over 10 years ago. And it was still when I was a full, heavy smoker. And it was the first time I had played basketball in years. And I was in pain, I think, for two or three days. My lungs were in so much pain 
because it was the first time I'd like done any any form of sprinting in years. Well, so. you don't run like that, like unless you're actually continuing to play the game. I know there's a camera guy who works at Global who's always listening at this hour, Brett. And he always used to talk about how fast he was in grade nine. And I was like, finally, one day, like, you're 50, man. You got (laughs) to. And we were (laughs) covering a bomber game. And next thing you know, he was like challenging two other people to race him down the field after the game. And he was still surprisingly fast. But man, I was like, you can't keep saying like you can't harken back to the days when you're 14, 40 years later. Am I wrong? I feel like that's just you got to You got to let it go. You're still quite fast, quite nimble. Randall, this one's for you. Congratulations, Jeff. Congratulations, Susan. And uh, we'll have to let them go, just like Frank and Eleanor went head-to-head for Backyard Bullseye. Uh, Susan and Jeff can go head-to-head off the air here to see who gets which prize. Congratulations once again to Frank Walter, he was our big winner in Backyard Bullseye with Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing, a $5,000 backyard package. He guessed 235 Eleanor Weedman guessed 343 The secret bullseye number was 248 so Frank was closer. He won the prize. So thanks to all who participated over the last couple of weeks. This was fun. And a reminder that we have the Big Bomber Bash contest. The entire Bomber party deck for you and 19 friends for the October 23rd game against the BC Lions. You get 20 Blue Bomber hats, game day food, $250 drink credit, and four parking passes to get everyone to the game. Yeah, no kidding. It's a full-on party. Get yourself a party bus. Get on down to the game. Like that, the, that, that deck, it, that, it, I, I sort of remember, it, it looks basically like, like you're sitting in your backyard, right? Fancy yeah. patio furniture? Yeah. You're like on your deck, but you're at the IGF and you're watching the game and the food and the drinks are coming at you. So I the, mean, it's a good, uh, it's a good way to enjoy the game. And it's, oh, and where, what did Greg say is right within reach? The rum hut, just in case that also wets your whistle. Is that a right and appropriate thing to even say anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know some, there are some things where I say them and I go, Can I, are we allowed to say that anymore? It feels wrong, know. that one. I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> the code word is football. So all you got to do is go to cjlb.com, go to our contest page, and then... Put in your details, and the code word for today is football, and we'll give you a new code word every day right through until October 15th. In the meantime, we want to talk right now about how two years ago we met an amazing mom and dad who reached out to us in a time of unspeakable loss. Yeah, so we're going back now to the fall of 2019 when Ethan Boyer was killed after his car was struck from behind by a semi which forced it into another large truck. And months after that crash, a new asphalt service road was built between Waverly Street and Brady Road. That road was then named Ethan Boyer Way in honour of this amazing 19-year-old. We want to point out, Brett, that in the days after the crash, Ethan's mom, Susan, texted us to share more about her son, and she and her husband continue to stay in touch with us in hopes of not just keeping Ethan's name alive, but to help others in his name. And this month, they're actually looking to help our forever friends because Ethan was a big dog lover, so there's a great fundraiser going on right now. And so we're pleased to say good morning again to Susan Zook-Boyer, Ethan's mom. Hi, Sue. Good morning, Brett and Loren. And his dad, Dana, you there with us, Dana, or DJ? Which one do you prefer? Uh, it's Dana, and good morning. 
Okay. I know sometimes we have you, you in our tech system under a couple different names. And so I, I, I just have to thank you both. You've been tremendous in reaching out to us on all sorts of topics, but particularly when you reached out about your son and, and Sue, you are so gracious to spend time with us. We can only imagine what your family's gone through and continues to go through. And I'm curious if I can ask, you know, a lot of us might say, I don't know how I would keep going. What keeps you going in Ethan's name uh, two years later? Um, well, you know what? I've always told people there's two things you can do. You can just curl up in your bed and um, and just lie there and cry, or you can live life, and, and, uh, and Ethan would want us to keep living, right? And so we're trying to turn our pain into some kind of purpose on, on earth until we can meet up with him and everyone else that has passed uh, in our in our life. So that's kind of how we just do it day by day. Dana, I know that we're still looking for many changes on the perimeter highway. How are you feeling about the steps that have been taken so far? Um, they're doing they're doing a uh, job, a good job. Yeah, uh, I think that most of these were coming anyways. Um, so I'm not sure how much credit we can take. I think a lot of people put a lot of effort into this before we got involved, but. Uh, it needs to be done. It's just too much traffic on the highway. All you have to do is be on the north perimeter at, uh, after 4.30 during the week. And it's it's just, there's too much traffic, there's too much population, and there's too many access points. And it needs to change, and, and it just needs to be a better design all the way around the whole perimeter. Mm-hmm. And they're working on it. Yeah, for sure. They've, they've made some changes in recent years and there's more consultations going on. You mentioned the north side, Dana and, and Sue, as we talk about just the crashes that have happened there. And of course, the the one that took the life of your son, there's such a legacy to that, you know, not just the changes to the road, but people might pass there on a regular basis and think of Ethan. And you've talked to me a bit about the RCMP officer that was on scene and how you've formed a relationship with her in the aftermath of Ethan's death. Can you tell us about that? Because she's part of why you're talking today to, to raise some funds uh, in Ethan's name. Yeah. Um, the head of the detachment has been awesome. And in particular, uh, Shailen Fenton, who was the first constable on scene. Um, she has kept in touch with us and made sure we're doing okay. And she's even left the province and gone to Alberta, and she's still in contact with us. And it's because of her, I think, that kind of got us going on, you know, continuing this legacy of the, the tin for the critter bin for Ethan. And she's um, done these fundraisers and given us money uh, to help with uh, uh, pet rescues in Manitoba. So I have to give her tons of credit for, for helping us through our pain. So, Dana, this month you're trying to get some pet food for dogs and cats in need. Um, can you tell us about Ethan's love of his dog? And I was his, was the dog's name Thanos. Yes, yeah, Thanos was our uh, one of our. Well, we've had over a dozen dogs in our time, but um, Thanos was. Uh, I think he was only a. Geez, he was just a pup. I, I don't even think he was a year and a half when Ethan passed, but they had a uh, special bond that, that Ethan developed with pretty much any creature he walked up to. But uh, Thanos was very large. Uh, he was about 115-pound golden retriever who didn't know how big he was. Um, he wanted to walk between everybody's legs and sit on your lap. He thought he was a poodle. And Ethan was also, well, Ethan was six foot, and he was a big kid who uh, was a gentle giant and just like Thanos. And, and they just, 
I mean, Thanos would come to me, but he would go to Ethan, if that makes any sense. Uh, mm-hmm. They were always laying together, playing together. Yeah, they, they just had um, they had a special bond that was. And Thanos was uh, well, you could I will use the word depressed you know, when when Ethan didn't show up. I mean, you know, you can't tell a dog, I, but I think they know if that makes any sense. Makes perfect sense. I think that, like, you know, even when you're gone for a day, they can sense the changes, right? And so then to have Ethan gone from his life, that's hard to be hard to see, even though you know it's a pet and you're going through your own pain, Susan. You just, just it's, it's one more sort of hurt to have to bear in some ways. Absolutely. And, and just to add to what Dana had said, on uh, the night before when Ethan passed, Ethan, we were sitting on the couch and he was grabbing Thanos and he said, well, Thanos is the best dog we've ever had. And so, you know, I, that always sticks in my mind. And unfortunately, last March, uh, we had to put Thanos down, and I, and I, which was another heartbreak. But I looked at it as um, Ethan wanted his dog um, with him, and uh, Thanos had a book So we tried everything, but we had to put him down. So, so yeah, so Ethan's with Thanos now, and Thanos is with Ethan. So, Dana, how can we help then with this uh, fundraiser? Like, where is the fundraiser happening? Uh, what sort of details can you share with us on that? Well, it's through the Pet Values uh, locations on Marion and Lakewood Boulevard. Uh, Shaylin, as Sue had mentioned, had raised money before, and we connected with uh, the owner, Tracy Johnson, through uh, my brother worked with her husband, uh, Tim, and... Um, we went there last year and, and uh, with the money that we had uh, from Shaylin and then Tracy offered up like she wanted to do more. And so this year we got together and we coordinated a the entire month as a tin for the critter bin in memory of Ethan. Uh, so people can donate either online uh, or sorry, by calling and stating that they want to donate uh, in Ethan's memory or they can go down to the store. Um, Tracy has graciously said, you know, if somebody wants to buy something from somewhere else and drop it off in the bin, she has no problem with that. The, you, you are entered into a prize that Tracy has donated as well um, at each location for approximately 200 bucks of dog beds and toys and, and whatever uh, she has uh, in a little prize bundle there. Plus, um, she made up all the posters. She took pictures that we've given her. Uh, she's made a special place for it, and the man, her and her staff, had just been awesome uh, to deal with. And, and we're just looking forward to picking it up as the month goes along. We've already uh, we kickstarted it on Friday, being October first, with a a thousand dollars that Shaylin had uh, raised in another auction, and uh, Sue and I kicked in some money, and we had a pile of uh, a truckload of dog food and cat food that went to Canine Advocate uh, Manitoba that we delivered on Friday. Uh, they were one of our rescues that we deal with. And uh, we're just going to spread the rest of the month um, to other rescues that, uh, you know, to make sure we spread around the uh, the food. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. Susan texted me some pictures uh, on Friday. My gosh, you're, it's not a pile. It is a truckload of food that you've already dropped off, off to canine advocates. Susan, what does it just mean to you to see sort of that outpouring and especially... Uh, given Ethan's love of Thanos and his animals, just doing this in your son's name. It's just amazing. Uh, I'm good. I, it's just amazing. I uh, I can't believe uh, the people that have reached out to us so far. 
Um, I even had uh, somebody from uh, New Brunswick send a $200 donation, which was awesome because I know she can't really afford it, but she did anyway. So, um, yeah, and I just wanted everyone to know that it's not just dogs, it's cats. We have now three cats, and Ethan loved his cats too. Uh, he was the one that always picked them up and carried them around the house. And so now Dana and I have, every time we pick up a cat, we think of Ethan. So it's not just the dogs, it's the cats also. So if people wanted to donate to our cat lovers, that'd be awesome too. It is the Tin for the Critter Bin, month-long fundraiser at the Pet Values at Marion and Lakewood. Uh, Dana and Susan, thank you very much for joining us today to tell us about this. And uh, thanks for all the, all the great stuff you do in the community in your son's name. I want to thank you uh, both, uh, all three of you, and CJOB uh, for, for giving us the time and the airways to, to talk about it. And um, to thank you for helping us through our pain, because it is painful every day. And uh, help doing something positive in, in our universe is, is awesome, and it helps us. Well, thank you. I, I can't thank you enough. You're both incredible people. And stay in touch. I, I think you will. I hope you will. But I'd like to see where this goes at the end of the month. It'd be nice if we get a semi-truck full. See where this can take us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks kindly, guys. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.